We're going to be reading Mark chapter 10 and starting at verse 17. It's entitled in most Bibles, The Rich and the Kingdom of God. The words will be on the screen behind me as well. I never know where to stand when I'm reading. I'm just, I should maybe crouch. Let's read. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your, your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Amen. Amen. I want to ask three questions this morning. And I want you to picture, I want us to picture what side of the fence do you think uh, we're sitting this morning? This encounter allows us to examine our hearts up really close uh, and personal. And it is my prayer that we'll be open and that we'll be honest to what God wants to minister uh, to us this morning at Inverness Vineyard Church. Uh, because he is a good God, as we have sung. He's a loving God who's, who by his spirit is here among us right now. So the, the three questions I want to pose are, are we living from, for more reluctance or more running? Are we living for more dialogue or more duty? Or are we living for more stuff or more stories? So hopefully those points will, will make a bit more sense as we uh, unpack God's Word. But firstly, uh, we'll look at more reluctance or more running. Uh, I have been told various times throughout uh, my young adulthood and into adulthood that I would make a good runner. So seasoned runners have said, you would make a great runner. You have the right build. You've got the long legs. You know, you've got the, the typical kind of figure to make a good long distance runner. And I think, yeah, I kind of agree. Yeah, I could do that. And um, my running history and experience has varied results. Let me just go through some of the things uh, that I, has happened to me as I've grew up. As I grew up, I won in primary seven, the school, 200 meters I was so chuffed by that. And it was a momentous occasion against all odds. There was guys there that were far, fa or it seemed far faster than me. And I remember uh, my parents standing at the hill watching me run. And instead of congratulating me at the end, they were just completely dumbfounded. They were like, where on earth did that come from? You know, you just set off and you had your head down and you just went for it. They uh, were so proud. So I also ran what was called the Nairnshire Challenge. It's now not happening, but this was over in the Codder Estate in Nairn, a 13-mile run and an 18-mile cycle. Now, that was uh, a few people like, no, you never. Yeah, I did. I really did. I really did. Uh, but I remember the next three days crawling around the house, literally crawling around the house and not being able to sit down anywhere as well. It was, it was a very strange couple of days. And then thirdly, I remember... Mary and I, when we were in Aberdeen, uh, we had this crazy idea. We used to live in a little flat down by the Beach Boulevard. If you know Aberdeen, a big beach, uh, and uh, we lived in a little flat, about five-minute walk. We decided, let's go for a run together, and that was a terrible idea. 
and uh, we never went out running again. And I also had that thing of like, Mary would speak to me, and I don't know about if any of you run, that whole thing of speaking and running at the same time, I get so, I get like doubly out of breath. It was just really, really tough. It was really tough. Uh, so I've got to the stage now that so many of people said, Thomas, you make a great runner. And on the outside, everything within me goes, yeah, that's a great idea. That's brilliant. But then on the inside, I'm so reluctant now. I'm like, oh, there's a reluctance to it. But I know it'd be good for me. I know I'm built for it. I know Park Run is on every Saturday at Wind Park, and it's free, and I know it'd be good. But there's that first, that's that, there's that first time, isn't there? What if people on the streets when I'm out running look at me, you know, and say, oh my word, look at that guy running. What on earth? He's just legs and arms. Like there's, there's just nothing to him. What, what if I fall? What if I get lost? Which is always a worry with me and always happens with me. There's so many things fueling the reluctance. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But when it comes to our walks with Jesus, I want to ask firstly this morning, as we leave this place, are we going to be living out of a place of more reluctance or more running when it comes to Jesus and when we see him and when we hear him in our lives? I love the rich young ruler at the beginning of this passage. Jesus starts on his way and this man sees him and he runs he runs. He sees Jesus and he runs to him. And it begs the question, we, hear, we read he's a rich young ruler and he runs. Why? Why? He's rich, he's young, he has the world at his feet, but he is still lacking. There was still a void. There was an eagerness to bring his life to the feet of Jesus and the chance that this longing could be met that his heart and his cravings could be filled with something of worth, a kingdom worth. He wasn't worried about falling over. He wasn't worried about folk recognizing him. He wasn't worried what people would think. I love that opening verse. And immediately as I read it uh, this week, as I was unpacking it and asking God, like, what, what, what have we to share uh, this morning? I long for my own life to be a reflection of that act to run towards him, to run, to run towards Jesus, to not live from a place of reluctance, to move perhaps when Jesus prods us, but to run to the Father and to kneel, to no longer sit on the fence, but to run, to no longer worry what people might think, but to sprint. When I know Jesus is urging a response, when his Holy Spirit is whispering a word, that we run. When we know He's speaking, we run. And we must not let reluctance rule. Where we're fearful, perhaps we're fearful of making mistakes. Perhaps we're fearful of what people will think. In this space, you know, forget about the rest of the week. In this space, we're worried about, oh, what will people think if I go to the back and pray? Or what will they think if I say what it is that I want, that Jesus is speaking to me about? We're fearful of making ourselves look silly. You know, today, I really feel today might be the day, even for one of us here this morning, where we declare more running to you, Jesus. Whatever I look like, whatever people think, whatever the circumstance, whatever will happen next, whatever, whatever I'm wearing, 
I will trust you and will run more and will not miss out on what you have for me. American pastor Francis Chan, who's absolutely brilliant. If you are looking for some good books to read, Francis Chan, incredible guy, really uh, full of wisdom. He says this, we never grow closer to God when we just live life. It takes deliberate pursuit and attentiveness. It takes deliberate pursuit and attentiveness. It's our prayer that this, this space, that we as people, as we go out to the rest of our weeks, that we live lives of deliberate pursuit and attentiveness, not reluctance, but to be a people who go uh, and, and run, run to Jesus, run to Jesus. So uh, more reluctance or more running. Secondly, more dialogue or more duty. I remember when I, I got my new, a new mobile number a couple of years ago, and this has probably happened to all of us uh, in the years uh, gone by, but I had to answer about different, 10 different calls from cold callers. Does anybody else like, get a season where they get about 12 cold callers trying to sell them something on their mobile phone? A couple of people uh, asking me if I've had an accident asking if my credit card was from Barclays and whether it was insured or, and asking if my mortgage payments needed to be reclaimed or stuff around that. And they follow a very detailed script. And uh, usually I end the call a bit more abruptly than maybe I should. Or, and I tell them that I'm not interested and, and go about the rest of my day. And I was getting fed up of this, and I was speaking to a friend, and I said, do you ever get this happen to you? And just random people phone you. How do they get your number and maybe selling your information when you fill out these forms? And they were telling me some clever and innovative ways uh, to get rid of cold callers. So let me tell you a few ways. Pretend to be the secretary of the person that they are calling and say, I'm their PA, and they're currently on their yacht in South France. How can I help you? Try to sell them something. So as they're trying to sell you, so try to sell them something. Just have a look around the room or wherever you're at and just think, I'm going to sell them that. And then just start the conversation. Pretend to go uh, when they're asking you something, just say, oh, just wait a wee second. I'm just going to get some information and make your own hold music up. Now, I quite like that one. And I was practicing that one going, do, 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 do. That's brilliant, isn't it? Just keep them holding. And the last one is, when they ask about your day, tell them everything. You know, start from the moment you woke up and just give them every little detail from the cornflakes you've had to watch you, what you watched on telly before you went to work. You know, when I think of the script often associated with cold callers or people that work in regulated work, work in call centers, it reminded me a little of sometimes how we can be with Jesus. Often we can get into the dangerous routine of duty when all Jesus wants is dialogue. He wants us to get away from the script and to be real with him, to shout at him, to be angry at him, to rejoice with him, to sing to him, to cry to him, to laugh with him, to throw away the script. The rich young ruler gets into a conversation with Jesus uh, in this passage, and Jesus recaps the first four commandments, and they're all concerned with how we love one another. And then we read in verse 21, Jesus looked at him and loved him. 
So there was a sincerity in this man's interaction and his eagerness to run and to kneel to Jesus, to get to his feet and to find that heart craving, uh, that gap that's in his life to ask about eternal life. And the ruler says, I have met those commands in verse 20. And I just want to switch over to Matthew's account. So uh, this story is accounted in three of the four Gospels. And in Matthew's account, in chapter 19, verse 20, it allows us to understand a little bit more of the interaction that is happening between the rich young ruler and Jesus. Uh, the young man says, all these I have kept when he's speaking about the commandments. Uh, the young man said, but he says, what do I still lack? What do I still lack? And commentators see this. They don't see it as a prideful thing, like saying, I've done all this. Like, what else is there for me to do? I've met all these. I'm a good, I'm, I'm doing good. But it's more, I've kept to the high standard. Show me where I'm coming up short. Show me where I'm coming up short. And that's what I want to focus in uh, on in this point. What a question. What a question to come to God, to ask His Spirit, show me where I'm coming up short. What a dialogue. Forget what the ruler's response is, which we'll look at in a little while, but that is a great chat with Jesus, isn't it? Show me where I lack. Show me where I lack. What if we were all to ask that question this morning? Jesus, what do we still lack? Jesus, what do I still lack? Instead of coming to him out of a sense of duty or routine, instead of making sure we've ticked the box of heading to church on Sunday morning and arriving in time and singing a few songs and getting a few nice points in the Bible, what if we came here this morning and asked Jesus, will you show me what I lack? Will you show me where I've come up short? Will you look into the very depths of my heart and show me where I need to be more like you? What would it look like to willingly uh, offer him to point out by his spirit where we are needing him most? To ask Jesus, examine my heart. Show me where it's all about me. Lord, will you examine where does my security lie? Where have I slipped into self-sufficiency? Where am I not letting you in? Or to ask him in situations that we go about in our week, Lord, where did I lack in that business meeting? Lord, where did I lack in that financial decision? Lord, in that interaction with my neighbor, what, 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 what could I have done better? Or where, yeah, where could I have showed you more in that interaction? That question is a, an absolute game changer and it allows the Holy Spirit to reign in us freely for him to highlight and to bring into light the little or big patterns of behavior that are not reflecting a life lived for Jesus. And this is not to, you may be sitting there and think, oh, this is not to heap guilt on us, but to bestow the grace of God upon us and to clean us up. As Cherry said, about five days in a festival, you're kind of dirty by then, aren't you? It's coming afresh and saying to God, will you clean us afresh so we can pursue holiness, so we can be more like Jesus and see more people see him in us. Shall we pray? I'd love to pray. Lord, Psalm 26 verse 2 says, test me, Lord, and try me. 
examine my heart and examine my mind. And we just ask, Holy Spirit, will you do that right now with each and every one of us? We wait on you, Lord. Thank you for your great love for us. Examine our hearts, examine our minds. We come to you, Lord. We come to you, Lord. may have something that's came up right away. Why don't you just place that into, into Jesus' hands and say, I don't want to be, I don't want that anymore. I don't want to be pursuing, pursuing that way or I don't want to be doing that thing. I don't want to be thinking like that anymore. I don't want to be speaking like that anymore. Just place it in his hands. some of us here and we're kind of like oh I don't really know nothing's coming to mind that's totally fine let me just close this prayer Lord we thank you that you are here and I pray for those of us where it maybe isn't as apparent or it's a little bit of a struggle Lord will you as we go about the rest of our weeks reveal it will it be like you have a bunch of highlighter pens and you just highlight that moment or that circumstance or that situation and and just show us Lord where we need you and uh, we pray Lord that you'll just pour in your goodness right now Lord we, uh, we speak against guilt right now, Lord. We speak against shame. We want to be more like you, Jesus. You fill every part of our hearts. Amen. Amen. So we have more dialogue or more duty. And then our final point is more stuff or more stories. So we've had the examination in this dialogue. We've had Jesus calling out what it is in this man's heart and what needs to be done. And uh, just as we did then, when we asked Jesus, he'll let us know. He'll let us know where we lack. And then we have uh, verse 21 in this passage. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. His face fell. What a picture. I almost uh, envision it a little bit like, you know, like cartoons where they get a surprise and go, the, the jaw drops to the floor, like his face fell. What? What's going on? And it was a telling sign of the hold on his heart that his possessions had. And he went away sad. He declared in that moment, I can't do that, Jesus. 
Like a, a broken leg would need an operation to fix it. This broken heart needs action to fix it. But he's saying, forget it. God's highlighting the brokenness, what is not of him. And it hits the ruler hard and he can't move forward with Jesus. The Greek of this uh, word when his face fell is uh, stagnazo, which means to be shocked or appalled. So there's a real, there's almost like a, a tension in that moment. It's like, oh, this is, this is everything to me. This is, this is who I am. You're asking me to get rid of that. I want you to imagine just for a second that we read this passage and verse 22 reads like this. So Jesus has issued this challenge, go and sell your possessions, give them to the poor. And I want you to imagine the man says this, at this the man's face lit up. He went away happy, he sold everything he gave to the poor and he followed Jesus. Wouldn't that be a great story? Wouldn't that be a great story? Picture it, not just for the rich young ruler, but for the people around him, for the people that he ruled over. He was more than likely a, a justice of the peace or a magistrate of some uh, sort. For a man of wealth and status and security and power, this was an incredible, incredible story. Right from the very beginning, to run and to kneel at the feet of Jesus was like, you just wouldn't do that as a, a man who was in that kind of sphere of society, in that, in that place. So he's not only impacting the folk that he rules over, but he's impacting the folk that come into contact with him in the, in the time to come. And it would be like a domino effect. He will never know the lasting impact of that radical heart choice to let Jesus fully in. And also the people that seen him running, that seen him kneeling, they would have been impacted. But were jarred by a very different response from this man. Do we want more stuff? Or do we want more stories? He went on a journey. He put himself out there. And then like a game of operation. Do you remember the game operation? Where you'd get the little uh, tweezer things. And then if you hit the body, it would shake. He had like that buzz moment. And Jesus pinpoints exactly where the heart condition is. And challenges the man. And there's a stripped back raw call out. This is the problem. This is what you need to do. This is where you built your life on. And we see his response. He couldn't go there. He couldn't do it. And it's terribly sad because the implications of had he done it would have been incredible. The stories would have been incredible, but he was so interested in the stuff. Martin Luther King says this, an individual has not yet begun to live until he can rise above the narrow horizons of his particular individualistic concerns to the broader concerns of all humanity. You see, Jesus' concerns for all humanity is our concern. He wants to use us, and that involves more stories, and that involves less stuff. It's not planting our security and wealth in our savings, in our car, in our phone, in our tech, in nice restaurants, but to create stories of generosity, to give to the poor, to invest our hearts and our possessions uh, to those who need them, those who we can bless, to ask God, whose story does this belong to? Perhaps when we're upgrading, we're in such an upgrade culture, aren't we? Perhaps when we're upgrading or when we're buying another thing just in case we need it, we ask, do we need this? 
Or can I use this for some other kingdom impact? Or if I'm to get this, I've got this for free. Who's this for, Lord? Where can this money be put to a story that goes beyond me? Perhaps the rainy day fund is to be the story fund. Imagine the potential of that. To live by faith. And uh, I had a, a little example in this. It's, it's not a very profound example, or, but I had, <laughs> had my Cafe Nero's loyalty card. And uh, I like Cafe Nero's. And if you get six Cafe Nero's coffees, you get a seventh free. And I was looking forward to my seventh free. And I just had a moment where I thought, somebody else could have this. Somebody else could have this. So I gave it to a, a person on the street and said, there you go, have, have this free coffee. And I know it's a tiny little thing, but I felt it just linked in well to, you know, what do we have that we can give away? Who knows what that would have done for the girl? I hope it encouraged her. It's only a coffee. But it's like little things, isn't it, that, that make a, a difference. We hope and pray that that would have made her day. That would have made her see God, would have seen a little bit of light in the darkness that she's in. What is it that we have to do? What is it that we have to pay it forward? More stories, more conversations, more kingdom. I've been uh, reading a book called, I think it's called Run to the, Run to the Roar, by a, a pastor called Mark Batterson. And uh, there's a quote that he has, and I just want to close with it, and then we'll worship, and we'll get an opportunity to pray with one another. He says, God wants to write his story through your life. And if you give him complete editorial control, he will write an epic. When I read that, I was like, come on, I want an epic story. Of course, it will involve some epic conflict. But the God who began a good work in you will carry on to completion. Telling a better story with our lives begins with identifying, Lord, am I living out of more reluctance because I want to be running? It lives out of when we're with Jesus, when we come before him saying, Lord, I want to have a bit of a chat with you. I want to tell you where I'm at instead of this duty thing, instead of this religious thing, instead of this tip box thing. I want to tell you, here's, here's the rubbish. Here's where exactly where I'm at and Here's how I'm feeling. And also when he challenges us, are we living for more stuff or more stories? I don't know about all of you, but I want this week to be like a new chapter for me personally as I've read this passage and unpacked this passage. I want this to be a, a new chapter and I want to run after it. And I hope uh, that all of you will join me in that as well and that God uh, will speak into that. Let's stand.